This is the final week of our deeper series, and I've thoroughly enjoyed the series. And as we mentioned, next, next Sunday is Father's Day, and then the Sunday after that is the Preacher Creature, Leonard Anderson. And uh, you don't want to miss that. Uh, just watching him on the video, I was down front wiping my eyes. It just got all sappy. Uh, because I know how special that was last year when, when Lennett uh, preached. And so uh, that's going to be awesome. And then we go into our summer series for July and August. And we're excited about that as well. Okay, so one more heads up. If this is your first time here this morning, um, when I'm preaching, I usually, you know, kind of ramp up. I usually start us in the, in the shallow end, right? And then we end in the, in the deep end of the pool. And I'm just telling you, today we're going straight into the deep end. So, hey, there's some people who like that. All right, here we go. Uh, We've been following one particular disciple of Jesus, Peter, and watching what God does in his life and how Peter responds to Jesus and learning what it means for us to be growing and for us to be going deeper in our faith with Jesus. And following Jesus is not just a decision that you make. It's a lifestyle that you choose. Following Jesus is not, it's not a check mark and say, okay, well, I, I got my ticket and I'm good to go. And, and it's not just standing in, a, in an auditorium of people, which is very bold. And that's, that's a huge part. That's the beginning. That's a great move. That's the beginning of, of accepting him. But then, but then the rest of your life, the rest of your life, following him as a, as a lifestyle and surrendering every, all of your days to him, you choose to spend the rest of your life 100% sold out, surrendered, committed to Jesus, okay? That's what being a follower, a disciple of Jesus is all about. Now, at one point in Peter's journey, it's Mark chapter 8, Jesus was, was talking to the, the disciples and a crowd of people about his, uh, his suffering and, and about his death and all that the, the leading priests would, would put him through. He was going to be arrested and he was going to be flogged and he was going to be beaten and he was going to be whipped. And Jesus is sharing all of this with great intensity. And, and the, the crowd was getting a little, you know, they're starting to disperse and getting like, whoa, you know, this is freaky. Like, you know, getting a little like, whoa, Jesus, you know, what, what's going on here? And so Peter takes it upon himself and he takes Jesus aside. Peter takes Jesus aside to reprimand and, and rebuke Jesus. That sounds crazy to us right now. Like, like, would you ever take God aside and say, what are you thinking? Maybe you have. Maybe you do that all the time. Maybe Monday morning. Hello, God. Like, come on. What, what, what are you doing? What are you thinking? So Peter takes Jesus aside to reprimand him and rebuke him. And apparently Jesus wasn't real thrilled about that because he said to Peter, get away from me, Satan. Yeah. And everyone heard, and it probably went like, woo, silent. Like, oh, Jesus just called Peter Satan. Like, you know, you just picture their eyes getting big and oh, it's going down. Oh, baby. And, and, and the place gets really quiet. And, and so, so recognizing that, that everybody had heard this and, and the, it, Jesus calls them all to gather in. This is Mark chapter 8. He says, okay, 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 okay. He calls a huddle. He says, everybody, come on in, come on in, come on in, come on in, right? And, and you can read this in Mark chapter 8. Jesus gets the whites of their eyes. Gets them all into a, to a close huddle. It gets the whites of their eyes and says, listen, if any of you 
want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. Let's pick it up in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Then, calling the crowd, Jesus gets, come on in, come on in, come on in, huddle, huddle, huddle. And he gets the whites of their eyes. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. That's discipleship. That's going deeper. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? When Peter tries to get Jesus to, to, to tone it down, Peter's like, come on, Jesus, lighten up. You know, say something that, that everybody would like to hear. Say something easy. Say something that, that, that everybody can, can swallow. Jesus, why does it have to be so narrow? Why does it have to be so, so difficult? And, and when Peter does that, Jesus snaps. And he wants Peter and he wants everyone else to know that, that Satan wants you to be casual about your Christianity. When, when, when Peter's saying, Jesus, you're coming on too strong. Jesus, Jesus turns to him and says, get away from me, Satan. Jesus wants you to know that, that Satan wants you to be casual about following Jesus. The enemy doesn't want you to fully commit to this. That's why it's, it's so hard for you to be all in for Jesus. It's, it's a battle. You're in a battle. And Jesus doesn't leave any, any room for another way. The road to the cross is not a walk in the park. If you want all that Jesus has to give, you have to give all that you have to lose. Back that up. If you want all that Jesus has to give to you, you've got to be willing to lose all that you have to lose. You have to be willing to give all that you have to lose. It's this upside-down kingdom. The way to get ahead, Jesus says, is to serve, to love others, put others first. If you give up your life for his sake, you'll gain everything. The way to win in the end is to lose. It's, it's to surrender your life, all of it, to take up your cross, whatever he asks you to bear, and to follow him. Verse 34, let's put it up on the, on the screen here. Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you sitting at Buncton Wesleyan this morning... Right? I mean, this is what it means. If any of you, if any of us, if any of us want to be a follower of Jesus, we must turn from our selfish ways, take up our cross, and follow him. Follow him. According to Jesus, it's possible to have very little in terms of what the world has to offer. You keep very little and still have everything. If you have Jesus and still have everything, have everything that matters. <laughs> Some of you are like that. That's good news for me. That's great. I love it. And he says it's possible to have everything that the world 
has to offer, but really have nothing. Nothing of eternal value. So if you're serious about following Jesus, and you want to go deeper, and you want to be growing, take inventory. Evaluate. Because apparently, one of the key marks, one of the key indicators or or evidence of someone who is truly following Jesus is that they are, they are truly all in with Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You come, you come to a, a point in your faith, in your journey, in your following Jesus, where, where all of you is all his. Where you're just, you're simply holding nothing back. You relinquish control and you want nothing more than all of Jesus in your life. More of Jesus in your life. You just say, Jesus, I'm yours. Here's my body. Here's my time. Here's my finances. Here are my relationships. Here are my habits. It's all yours. I surrender my anger. I surrender my hate, my prejudice, my unforgiveness, my selfishness, my guilt, my greed, my pride, my doubts, my fears. I surrender all. All. I lay it all down. It's all rubbish. I lay it all down at the foot of your cross. You are my king. You are my king. And I will go where you send me. And I will follow where you lead me. And I will give what you ask of me. And I won't hold back that which costs me nothing at the risk of losing my soul, which costs Jesus everything. When there's nothing in your life that you value more than Jesus, and nothing in your life that you want more than Jesus, you'll know that you are growing spiritually. You'll know that you're following him. We were discussing this at our staff meeting last Tuesday. Staff members just put on their, their seatbelts and their chin straps and their helmets. Uh, we were discussing this at our staff meeting last Tuesday. And what I was saying to them was, I think it's, I think it's easy for us, us to be deceived by a Western mentality of, of wealth and consumerism. And we can construct something that we think looks like following Jesus. Now that's deep. And I think about it a lot. If you've ever traveled on a missions trip, or visited parts of the third world. Maybe you get home and you just look at your stuff and say, what is this? None of this matters. This is crazy. What, what am I doing with my resources? I felt that way. And I'm, I'm not saying that you have to ask these questions. I'll just be transparent out here for, for a little bit. Maybe this will be helpful to someone. Um. These are some of the things that I ask. Not saying that you have to go home and sell everything or give it all away. Maybe you do. I don't know. God, you and God can talk about that. And I'm not saying that you can't have wealth and have Jesus. I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm going to use this as an example. 
and, uh, and, and don't take this one example out of, out of context, but unless God tells you to. <laughs> um, but I'll use giving as an example because we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. And uh, it's, I'm really talking about our hearts, our hearts, okay? Um, some of you tithe 10% of your income and you love doing it. We, we've got people in our church who are trying to see how much they can give. Like one of their goals in life, they, they, 10 is so long ago. Like, like they're, they're trying to see what percentage they can build up to, what, how much they can, they can give. Uh, most of us, most people live on 98 or 99% of your income or 108%. Some people live on of their income. Uh, some are fixed income. Some are out of work. Some are single parents. I get that. Don't, don't stop writing your email. Put your phone down. Stop writing your email to me. I just wonder if I should be living on far less so that I, so that I could be giving far more. That's, that's my question. That's, that's the kind of thing that rattles around in, in my heart. What if there's a, a responsibility that comes with being born in part of the world that, that has so many resources to give? And, and so often we look at, at 10%, you know, the tithe, like, wow, that's astronomical. That's such a, that's such a big deal. Well, what if it's just the beginning? I wonder. Most of us are capable of giving far more. It's a hard issue. Well, I asked our staff on Tuesday. Okay, I'm off that topic, by the way. Change topics, okay? You with me? Change gears? All right. I asked our staff on Tuesday, what is the craziest thing you've ever done for Jesus or you've ever heard of someone doing for Jesus? And we shared stories of people taking great risk and people giving huge gifts and and stories of, of faith and sacrifice. And, and, I, and I shared one with our staff about uh, Chris and Joanne. Chris and Joanne were a military family uh, invited by friends to come to the church that I was pastoring in Fredericton. And their whole family came, their whole family came to Jesus Christ in a radical, I mean, the whole church was, 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 sobbing with joy, like, like it was just, we were all completely wrecked for Jesus the day Chris and Joanne surrendered their lives to him. Then I baptized them in the Nashwalk River. By the way, we need to do a baptism someday on Parley Beach. And maybe one in Capilay. Chris and Joanne, Chris took this whole following Jesus thing seriously. And he started to see his job, military, and his stuff as rubbish that didn't mean anything to him. And so he took an early discharge from the military. And in his early 30s, he and Joanne and their three little children, they now all serve at an orphanage in Haiti. Now, yeah... Pension mention. Chris just, Jesus got a hold of his life and he just looked around and said, none of this, it, nothing matters. It's all going to burn, rot. It's just not, not rust, nothing matters. Now I'm not saying everyone needs to quit their jobs and go to Haiti. Some of you might. I'm saying that following Jesus is radical. 
unstoppable, passionate, and maybe even irrational at times. And Peter tried to tone it down. He's like, hey, Jesus, some people are walking away. You're coming on too strong. Can't you make it casual, comfortable, convenient? Can't I take up part of your cross some of the time, once a month, unless it's a really nice Sunday and I need to be at the beach? Can I give after I get that, that raise or after I get that position or after the kids get through college? Do I have to let go of this habit right now? Do I have to go talk to that person? Do I have to forgive? Do I have to love others? Isn't there an easier way? Can I sign up for like Jesus light or something like that? The book of Acts chronicles the explosion of the church after the resurrection of Jesus. Dozens became hundreds and hundreds became thousands because they met, touched, and ate with the resurrected Jesus Christ. They were convinced and they were unstoppable. And and now on that side of the resurrection, they understood what he meant by by take up your cross and, and follow me. And at one point in Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles were doing ministry around the temple area. People were being healed and people were being delivered and people were, were hearing the message of Jesus and they were accepting the message and they were, they were becoming followers of Jesus Christ. And people were bringing their sick family members and laying, in, laying them down in the street, hoping that Peter's shadow, just Peter's shadow as he walked by, would fall on, on one of their sick family members, hoping that they would be, imagine, hoping that they would be healed by Peter's shadow. That's, that's what God was doing. I mean, it was, it was, it was full-blown revival, and I'm praying for, man, I'm praying that for revival in Moncton Wesleyan, that this, this facility would just be a container for revival. I'm praying for it. All right. So Luke tells us that the high priest and the religious leaders were filling up with, with jealousy. They were upset that people were being healed and delivered. Imagine, they were upset that people were being healed and delivered and set free in Jesus' name. Um, the religious people, they had gained the whole world, but they were losing their souls. And so they arrested Peter and the apostles and put them in a public jail. Public jail is a jail in an open courtyard where everyone can walk by and make fun of you. And, and the, the religious leaders thought, we'll embarrass them. Uh, this will humble them. Okay, Acts chapter 5, picking that story up in verse 17. The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, put them in a public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. And then he told them, I love this verse, and highlight this verse, go to the temple and give the people the message of life. Verse 19, can we put that back up on the screen? Verse 19, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail and brought them, brought them out. You see, your setback might be a setup for God to set you free. Your setback that you're experiencing right now, that you're wondering, okay, why am I stuck? Why am I dealing with this? Why is this happening in my life? Your setback, it might be a setup for God to set you free. Your setback might be a setup for God to set things right in your life. When the, when the whole world thinks that they've won, we've got them, they're behind bars. When the world thinks that they've won in your life, tell them, hey, God is not done with me yet. And what the high priest didn't know 
is that Peter and the apostles didn't need to be humbled. They thought, we'll put them in a public jail and we'll humble them. They didn't need to be humbled. These guys were humbled a long time ago when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. They were humbled when Jesus got down on his hands and his knees and he washed their feet. They were humbled on the first Easter morning when they were working. They they were hiding. They were hiding and they were working on their lives after Jesus when they thought he was dead. While Jesus was working on their afterlives. They were working on their lives after Jesus. They were humbled to the point of dying to themselves and preaching and teaching and healing and ministering to anyone and everyone who would call on the name of Jesus. They were humbled and now they were lifting up Jesus high. They were glorifying Jesus. And if anyone was going to be embarrassed in this deal, it would not be Peter and the disciples. It was going to be the high priest when they wake up the next morning and they find the very ones that they thought they had in prison are back out in the temple court setting the prisoners free. So it was the, it was the high priest and the Sadducees who were going to be embarrassed by this deal. Now, we're different because we're wired for security in 2015 uh, Canada. We're wired for safety and comfort and success. And so when the angel came to us in the night, we'd be hoping that the angel would, would help us escape so that we could never come back to that town again because of, of what they had done to us. We'd, we, we'd, like, we'd want to be in the, the uh, witness protection program or something like that. And in verse 20, the angel says, "Get your sets, opens the door, sets them free, and says, go right back into the temple. Go right back into the, into the fire. Go right back into where they, they, they uh, arrested you. You get right back out there, and you give the people this message because this message of Jesus is the message of life. It's the message of life. Now, Referring to himself in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you accept Jesus Christ into your life, when you, when you invite him to come into your, your life, you are inviting life itself, the creator of life, the giver of life, to live inside of you. And you carry this life. And, and, and you, your, your mission as a follower of Jesus is to share this life, this uh, this message of life, the, message, the mission of this church is to share and shine the message of life. I can't remember where I heard this. It was a, it was a couple of months ago now probably, but I, I heard one pastor talking about his church, and he said, we're dealers of hope. And I'm, oh, I like that. We are. Man, the world needs hope And we have the hope of the world is Jesus Christ. We're dealers. We're dealers of hope. Here are some words that that I would use to define Peter early on in his spiritual formation. If the band is listening, they can come out and join me now. Anytime now would be great. Um, Yoo-hoo! They'll come. Here are some words that I I would use to define um, Peter, early on in his spiritual formation, before the resurrection, I'd call him hesitant. I'd call him curious, uh, at times hopeful, uh, short-fused, uh, listening, impulsive, proud, uh, denying, deceitful, and doubtful. This is how I would describe the Peter we see In the book of Acts, after the resurrection, determined, convinced, passionate, 
Uh, he's compassionate. He's faithful. He's, he's called by God. He's joyful. He's hopeful. He's humble. He's unstoppable. He's radical. He's sold out. He's all in missional for Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask us this morning, myself included, what words best describe your faith this morning? What words would you use to describe where you're at with Jesus today? If someone else had to describe you and your faith and where you're at, what words would they choose? What are the words we want people to use for this church, this body of believers? I've got a few things that I'd like for uh, others to say about us. I'd like for them to say that those people, they love everyone. They're on fire for Jesus. They're growing spiritually. They're serving their city, serving the world. They put others first. They are unstoppable, radical, missional. I love for people to say that God's presence is in that place. God's presence is in those people. They're generous. They're fearless. They're sacrificial. There are so many possible uh, ways that we could respond to God here in the next few minutes of this service. Um, the right way to respond is, is just by saying yes to whatever God is asking of you this morning. Uh, whatever he's speaking into your heart, to just say, yep, yeah, I surrender all. I surrender all. Yes to whatever God is asking you. 100% all in is a good response. If you've been stuck spiritually, if you want more, um, now's the time to respond to him. I'm going to pray. We're going to... Uh, huh. I think we'll stay seated as Abby sings. No, we can't stay seated, Abby. We've got to stand. It makes it easier for people to get out. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. And if you want to come and do business with God here at the front of this church, we invite you to come. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord, I just thank you so much, God, this morning for your, your leading. And you're here with us right now. And God, I believe that you are calling us deeper. You're calling us to more. You're calling us to not hold anything back. You're calling us to full surrender, to be 100%. Lord, maybe this morning you're speaking something radical into someone's heart. And you're saying, come on, come on, take the risk. Follow me. You can do this. I will go with you. Lord, whatever it is, I just pray that our answer would be yes. Corporately this morning, each one of us would answer yes to who you are and what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand.